Welcome, everybody, to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. You can connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter, on Facebook and Instagram. It's the Longhorn Republic. Or shoot us an email, longhornrepublicpod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by the Internet's biggest Texas men's golf fan, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? We have to be careful, Gerald, as we noted on Twitter when you say hook them talking about the men's golf because, uh, you know, uh, hook and a slice is basically my golf game. But uh, no, they're, they're they're good at they're good at hitting the ball straight and long and uh, and repeatedly and and uh, doing the rest of it too. Now that Texas is full of winners, we know that this is the the Directors Cup. This is the uh, the the school full of 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 winners. Absolutely, bringing some more hardware back to Austin. The Texas men's golf team knocked off the Texas Tech Red Raiders to bring home the match play championship, earning their long rest until January. We're excited. Congrats to them. But we're not here to talk about the fairways. We're here to talk about stomping a mud hole in the Oklahoma State Cowboys. I couldn't come up with a better segue than that, but it is what it is. So Texas, coming off of a disappointing loss at the hands of the Oklahoma Sooners, now gets to see if they can avoid getting swept by the state of Oklahoma and take on the undefeated number 12 Oklahoma State Cowboys. The Cowboys are 5-0 and coming into this week, but they're kind of a weird 5-0. and They've got uh, a 23-16 win over Southwest Missouri State, a 28-23 win over Tulsa, a, la- a kind of a tight one blocked field goal situation over Boise State, and then they actually uh, put did a little bit of work against Kansas State, 31 to 20, and then had uh, some balls go the right way for them and topped Baylor 24 to 14. This is a really weird team and not your typical, what used to be the air raid, throw it around the yard. Uh, they're guaranteed to have a 1200 yard receiver, an 800 yard receiver and a quarterback throwing for 6,000 yards, Oklahoma <laughs> state. They're getting it done on the defense and, and, you can see that when you look at really any of the stats, but but when you look at like I'm a I'm a drive efficiency guy, and they've won two games with negative offensive efficiency because the defense was so good at just keeping offenses from finding their rhythm. And so the matchup, Kyle, as it seems to look from my vantage point, is is the Texas good offense better than the good Oklahoma State defense? Like that's really where a lot of this rest and we'll talk about the other side of that in just a moment but like that seems where it is is the texas offense better than the oklahoma state defense and that's going to be the big storyline that we're watching throughout the week yeah good on good bad on bad this will be uh this will be an interesting matchup right because i think you mentioned it that they're, they're uh this is this is a good start right oklahoma state five and oh um they beat who who they played and that counts for something. You know, they're ranked number 12 in the country right now. There are only a handful, uh, what, I think 13? No, less than that, maybe like nine uh, undefeated teams, 10. There's not many uh, in the country right now. We could have ended both Oklahoma schools. Joe, what's the Oklahoma equivalent of a Texas two-step? The Okie double shuffle. Uh, we could have done the the Okie double shuffle. Uh, the Tulsa two, the Tulsa two toes. Yeah, the Tulsa two toes of putting besmirching the first uh, of the two remaining um, Oklahoma teams undefeated records. Neither of them. I'll say this: out of out of the teams with undefeated records, I almost feel like San Diego State and UTSA are as impressive as uh, what OU and, and Oklahoma State have done. But hey, OU beat Texas. Good for them. Oklahoma State, though, again. Uh, a, a brief win over South, Southwest Missouri State, Tulsa, their bugaboo, getting out of Boise State by the skin of their teeth, beating Baylor on some weirdness. Um, this is a good team, and they are led by their defense. Pro Football Focus ranked their front seven, one of the top four in the country, and you're included with a list with, Jun- with Georgia's front seven. You're doing something right. But I, I just wonder if an offense they have played has been anywhere near 
the caliber of what UT is rolling out. If the best offense they played this year, probably Baylor. Is that what we're yeah. going to say? And again, while I think we'll talk in our Baylor preview coming up, uh, what Jerry Bohannon in that running game you know, can do, and they, they do have a good receiver out there, I don't know that those are necessarily comparable offensive units. At least the stats wouldn't say so. So this is going to stretch in in every conceivable way the the current stats and numbers and actually talking to some Oklahoma State fans I think even they realize that you know that their statistics are a little bit inflated right now but again don't buy too much into that because this is like many games this is another team that gets up for Texas has players who play some of their best games against Texas this is a team that likes to hate Texas and they are going to win and lead with their defense. And they're going to do it mainly with their front seven, with their linebacking unit, which is pretty good. Um, and some guys who can get after, get after the passer. So, uh, you know, Colin Oliver has been a really kind of interesting surprise. They lost their, one of their better defensive linemen in, in the off season. And he was a guy who wasn't expected and has kind of stepped up. And there's, there's, there's just a lot of guys on, on this defense who in that front seven can, can do some things. When you look at like the again, I'm I'm a, I'm an advanced stats guy, and I like so the F plus. I keep introducing these things. The FEI is statistically biased, which is not a bad thing toward per drive efficiency, and the like. Bill Connolly, ESPN's SP plus is per play efficiency, and so I like F plus because it combines the two. And I say all that to say that Kansas State is 44th offensively an F plus and Baylor is 45th, which means that neither of them are really that good. Texas is like seventh in F plus, I believe is there a six, excuse me, I was one off. So like there's a, there's a difference between the offenses that they played thus far. And, and so that's on the flip side of things, Oklahoma state is probably again, maybe not the most talented defense, but at least the, 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 the most statistically accomplished defense that Texas has played. And, and the thing that, that really I'm curious about is if Texas is able to, to run the script like they did against Oklahoma, right? Can Texas put up a couple of quick scores and put pressure on this? Because if you can get into a situation where hopefully, fingers crossed, you can lean on Bijan a little bit and use Bijan to lean on the Oklahoma State defense, they have not seen a running back of his caliber all year. And so that's the thing that I'm curious about. The run defense for Oklahoma State is... A mixed bag because they don't necessarily get a ton of stoppage at the line. They're um, at just a 16% stuff rate where stopping somebody shorter than three yards. And that's on the, that's a bad, that's a low end thing, right? Um, they're giving up about 2.7 line yards per rush, which is also the same number that Texas was able to manage against OU. Let's say this Oklahoma State defense is, and I don't think they are, as good as the OU defense, at least from a talent standpoint. I don't know if they're they've got enough to stop Bijan from having a Bijan game where he gets 20 carries and he goes for 150 yards and that's something that I'm curious to see and I, again if Texas can get out to a couple of scores this thing could potentially snowball pretty quickly and we'll we'll bring some of that up again when we talk about the offense but defensively I mean you know you've got uh, Brock Martin, you've got Colin Oliver. Those guys are, are guys that, that spend a lot of time in the backfield. Malcolm Rodriguez spends a ton of time in the backfield. Those three guys together have like you throw in Tyler Lacey, that's mm. like 19 sack or 19 tackles for loss between them. So they're able to, to get in the backfield. And that's something that with the Texas offensive line, the way it is, you know, we also saw Texas try to shuffle some things. Andre Carrick had a really tough time yeah. against OU. So they've made some changes along the offensive line. Uh, and so they brought Tope Amade in and, and and they're trying to get Kerstetter back. And, and it, I mean, it makes sense the way that Texas is doing it along the offensive line. Kerstetter, the, your, your best and your most experienced offensive line next to Tope Amade, who has a cumulative zero starts in his five years on campus at that left guard spot. And then on the right side, you move uh, Junior Junior Angulau to the back to his original spot at right guard next to Christian Jones, who we've all seen it. We've all talked about it. it, it he's been, he's struggled this year. So putting your best interior alignment next to your, your worst exterior alignment or your, your lesser of the two, I'm curious to see what that group can do against, again, a front seven that does a lot of good work in the backfield. Yeah, I mean, I, I went on uh, the the Oklahoma Breakdown, the Crimson and Cream podcast, and I told KMR that it looked more like our tackles were auditioning to work the turnstiles at the Cotton Bowl, where 
I pulled out my wrong. I pulled out my phone to show him the ticket, and the guy barely looked up. He's like, "Yeah, hey, you're good. You're good. Whatever." You know, that's basically the effort that was given by our tackles uh, to uh, against Nick Benito and in, in the OU uh, defensive line. Uh, you know, it, those lookout blocks, right? Where you just look back at your quarterback, look out! Yeah, I mean, I joked on our, our yeah on our OU podcast that we were revolutionizing running screen blocking on every play, just letting guys straight up the field and seeing what that space looks like. It's not a good idea. Uh, is the answer you don't you don't win games by blocking with three and having two guys have really good uh front row seats to watch you know it's it's uh i'm gonna stop though but assuming that again like the taste of the arkansas game uh in their mouth assuming that uh that will leave a bad taste and and tope amane wants to get in there and show uh you know what he can do at this point in his career and and the other guys are, are taking a step up and kerstetter back at his natural tackle position assuming all of that means even a step forward i think also Bijan robinson is going to want something to say the fact that i mean he, he had obviously a heisman caliber run in that game but the fact that you know people are saying well he's out of the heisman race you know he only had 130 yards only had 127 yards after contact or whatever i mean he, i could very well see him just running angry and again the line wanting to give him a little space but i really think that's attacking the teeth that's attacking the strength that will happen, but I also think you saw a, an OU defense that that was their strength, and the most success that Texas had right from the start was going around it, getting good blocking behind Washington and letting Worthy run on some screens. I imagine you'll see uh, with with uh, Whittington out, I imagine you'll see some uh, some maybe two running back sets more frequently, some other guys getting getting the ball, some, some running back in the passing game, which we didn't see a ton against OU, other ways to get guys involved outside of between the tackles where maybe it's a little bit harder for those guys to get downhill. But again, you have to give Casey Thompson, who did an admirable job against OU, you have to give him a little bit more time. And again, so that's that's the really the whole matchup. I do think Texas's defense, when we talk about the other side, probably – is not the worst of these four units, and, and that's saying something after what we saw against OU. But uh, I think Texas offense is the best of these four units, and, and, and again, that's speaking to a good Oklahoma State defense. Absolutely, and and you mentioned the the wide receivers and the look. Still, like I went back and rewatched the game because apparently I hate myself, uh, the OU game, and I'm still not sure why Texas – it seemed like they only ran like the wide receiver quick outs like three times, like Worthy scored once and then they ran them on like back to back plays. And then it looked like they burned that page in the playbook. And I don't know why. And especially with now Marcus Washington inserted into that starting lineup and he's earned every snap that he gets because he is one of the most earnest and eager and willing blockers on that team. And he, he, he's smart about it too. And so I, I would especially as you try to keep the Oklahoma State defense honest, because I guarantee you they're going to slide a safety into that box. And so you've got to do something to to slide those safeties back. And, and even if you can't run between the tackles and your, your kind of outside zone is not working, then I, I don't know why Texas doesn't go back to that, because those are basically four-yard rushes with the capability of, like we saw on Saturday against OU, popping for 70. And so I would be, I would be shocked if we didn't see some more of that look as well, because we know that OU, OSU is going to load the box and try to stop Bijan, and if you can soften those safeties a little bit, then you have an advantage in numbers in the box, and Bijan one-on-one on basically anybody on the planet Earth, I'm taking Bijan. Yeah, absolutely, and honestly, our, our receivers, you know, Whittington is out, but, but the way Moore looked in the first half of that game, the way Worthy looked, one of the best wide receiver performances, and has looked every game except TCU, really, um, I feel like one-on-one if if you are isolating our receivers as well i like them i like um you know both of those two i like what our tight ends can do in this one um you know let's see what wiley and brewer can can bring um you know i i think keelan robinson just is a is a is a an unfair ace in the hole matchup nightmare whether it's out of the backfield or in the slot just getting the ball in in kind of different and and non-traditional ways with his speed i think gives a chance that you know, while we talked how good their front seven is, the pass game also includes the back four, and I do think they're susceptible to a big play. And hey, that's after Casey Thompson was able to hit, you know, more half or more of his his deep balls for a lot of yards uh, against OU. You like that? You like to hope that that is a, a feature, not a bug, right? And that that is yeah. going to be a consistent part of Texas's game. And and 
deep passing without an offensive line is a risky combination of offensive variables. But uh, again, if they can give just enough time for Thompson and he can do just enough time uh, wiggling and, and climbing in the pocket, um, again, I think these receivers and, and Worthy especially, I'll just single him out, but but more as well, have a chance and, and shoot, throw Calvante Dixon in there. Put Washington in there. If he gets a foot down on a catch, you yeah. know that he, he basically was – the yin to, to Marcus Mims Yang of getting a foot in by inches. He was out by, you know, inches. Uh, you're talking very differently about his day, right? So, you know, I, I, I think taking those shots will be a key part. Getting Bijan going, of course, but but taking the top off of this defense in particular, I think is where you want to attack them where they're most vulnerable. Absolutely. And again, I think, you know, we've already seen it. And Sark mentioned it on Monday that that Kelvante Dixon is going to get some time in the wake of the in the wake of Jordan Whittington's injury. We already knew Marcus Washington is getting a lot of snaps. And so I I wouldn't be shocked. I like you said off the top, I wouldn't be shocked to see Texas. Texas has been running like base twelve personnel for most of uh most of the season or you know, for a lot of the season. And so I don't think think we shy away from that, or Texas will shy away from that. Now again, if this turns into a shootout, Mike Gundy said he doesn't want it to turn into a shootout, but if Texas has to shoot it out, that's the other situation that I think this could happen. I, I don't necessarily see it going that route. I think it's either a really low-scoring, slug-it-out kind of game, or Texas blows the top off the, the OSU defense. Those are the, the only two reliable outcomes I see. I don't see kind of an OSU blowout just because the offense doesn't have the guns, but if, but if it does get to that situation... I. Again, Texas has the has the guys in the in the stable to do. The thing I think that we really need to watch closely though is third downs. Oklahoma State's one of the best third down defenses in the country. They've uh, given up just 14 third downs on 74 attempts. That's less than 30%. Texas, we thought this was a strength for them earlier in the season, but has struggled in the last few games. Texas was just 4 of 12 on third downs against OU. They were 6 of 15 against uh, TCU. Earlier in the year, Texas Tech, uh, Rice, they had upwards of 70 and 71%. They got two-thirds of them against Louisiana Lafayette. Arkansas is the other outlier, third, uh, the 4 of 13 uh, less than 30 per or 31 percent so like the good teams they faced this year let's just go ahead and say it uh have really held them down on third downs and that's caught that's kept the offense from really being able to to get going and so and if you don't sustain drives then your defense gets tired and we saw that against OU I think a lot of that what happened against OU is that Texas struggled to sustain drives in the second half and the more snaps your defense has on the field the likelier it is that something's going to pop yeah, I mean the, the uh, you know what makes getting third downs easy and keeping that percentage high is uh, sh- third and, and shorter. Uh, you know what makes third downs harder is giving up negative plays. This admittedly is an Oklahoma State that le- defense that is creating a lot of negative plays and a Texas offensive line that, whoo, uh, the past four years against OU has probably lost all of those games because of the negative plays they've given up at the offensive line. I don't want to talk about the nine sack game, but there it was a couple years ago. I mean that that basically. That basically is the reason that they've lost for those. But so uh, I think that will be the priority for the Texas offense. Stay going forward. Don't go backwards. Casey Thompson is the right quarterback for that. He's 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 nimble and shifty in the pocket. He knows when to step forward and take a couple yards. He's shown a pretty good head on, on that decision-making and when to get the ball out of his hands. So keep the negative plays to a minimum. Uh, I'm not so worried about Bijan, but again, if they're if they're gunning for him, you know, it's it, he might even have one or two. But I really feel like he's going to keep it going forward. And if you give him a couple yards again, we'll see. But but yeah, I think that that will be at the third downs. And then if you, if you get into the red zone, uh, they've only given up 12 red zone trips in five games. They haven't given up a ton of points. Again, slow the game down. Not a lot of possessions, but they've given up five touchdowns and five field goals in those red zones. So Texas's early season superpower of being able to convert every time in the red zone to a touchdown they would all fans would be happy if they 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 rolled that back out for this game yeah and you know texas still did okay against ou even a loss they they converted points on all of their trips and they got uh three touchdowns and a field goal i mean 75 percent of the time that they went to the red zone against ou uh they scored a touchdown texas Mm -hmm. scored a few times from outside of the red zone so that statistic is a little skewed but again they've still been pretty solid even Mm -hmm. in the games where they struggled they were three of three against arkansas they were now tcu is a little bit different they went five of six but four of those were field goals and that was really why that was was a squeaky bottom one for us but you know, that that's that's the the good on good. That's the heavyweight matchup is the Texas offense versus the OSU defense. Now we're gonna talk about the other side of the ball. 
So the OSU offense, like we said off the top, it's not your typical Mike Gundy offense. And I don't know if this is by design or if Mike Gundy's streak of just finding the diamond in the rough offensive coordinators has come to an end. <laughs> and, I, and I'm still not 100% sure, but we've look, been looking at like diminishing returns on the Oklahoma State offense over the last several years. But when you look at their their scoring, their points per drive, 1.91, that's not good. You want to be at least at, at two, if not two and a half yards per play, 5.4. Again, you want to be closer to, to six on that. Not great. Points per opportunity, they're exceedingly average, 3.7, right in the middle of the pack, uh, PPA, predicted points added, 0.191, so again, exceedingly average. You know, everything about it is either on the low end or the average side, and so there's not a ton about the Oklahoma State offense that is super scary, but again, Texas's defense is... Not been great over the last couple of weeks. You know, we talked about it after TCU. If Zach Evans got a few more touches, that might have gone the other way. And we saw what happened against Oklahoma with Caleb Williams. Now, I will I'm going to say this and try to try to keep your jaw off the floor, but Jalen Warren is probably not Zach Evans, and Spencer Sanders is probably not Caleb Williams. And so I don't know if this is an opportunity for for the Texas defense to get a little bit of a get right game. And if that's the case, then that'll that'll bode really well moving forward and for what this game can look like yeah and that's a good point I don't think Jalen Warren is Joseph Randall Tatum Bell Justice Hill or Kendall Hunter you know I, I don't I love Kendall Hunter <laughs> I don't know if he's in the pantheon or, or even the top 30 now now you know he might hear this podcast and shoot to prove me wrong but so far he's run often 155 carries but not with particular success for under four and a half per carry uh does have six touchdowns across five games um but again just isn't blowing away elite competition um it's interesting to me right because we look at Texas's defense, right, and and you home away splits are are, are skewed because of the fact that they played OU neutral, uh, TCU in Fort Worth, and uh, in played Arkansas in in Fayetteville. So Louisiana, a good team. I still think a good team. Some people are really trying to discount that win, but a good team um, at, at home to open it. Rice. Tech, who in that second half, so it's interesting, right? The last view we had of UT's defense at home was the second half of Tech, but before that, basically the the ten quarters, you know, before that at home, the defense looked quite good. Um, so it'll be it'll be a question of is this a get right game for the defense where they have a chance to um, to to basically get back to somewhere near there, get back to being a good defense generally, but also at home uh, or Oklahoma State. I don't think they're going to be able to just, you know, throw the ball all over them. But, you know, you saw in those two games where they really hurt was against the run, uh, OU and in Arkansas. And those are both their losses. And in both cases, the defensive line probably didn't play up to its billing. And, and uh, you know, a too high safety look in both games that didn't still didn't necessarily take away the the occasional deep ball um but but also didn't get down and and stop the run it kind of it, it will be curious to see what i don't think Kukowski's throwing out his book his identity of who he is but what they roll out um against this one for a team that again spencer sanders we know he, he he's had good games against texas and not a ton of other really good games in his career they don't necessarily have the receivers in general they've had a couple injuries in addition at that position so they their identity is they're going to line up and try to run the ball 30 or 40 times a game, bleed the clock, hope something big breaks their way. So is Texas defense going to be up to that task? Yeah, and you, you mentioned Spencer Sanders and his performance against Texas. You said something about a good game. Spencer Sanders had the game of his life, not his but his entire life. Going back to high school, Spencer Sanders had the game of his life against Texas in 2020, right? Uh, it was 400 yards and four touchdowns through the air. His, his, uh, his freshman season wasn't quite as successful, 268 through a couple of interceptions. He's interception prone. He's got this long windup, which I think – will hopefully allow Texas to be in better position when the ball is in the air. That was something that they struggled with against OU was that Caleb Williams could throw the ball off platform and it comes out of his hand pretty quickly. So they were out of position a lot. They had trouble finding the ball. Spencer Sanders has a little bit of a slower release with kind of a looping delivery. And so they could potentially take advantage of that. But I think you're absolutely right. I think Mike Gundy has likely, because he's a smart person, has watched the tape of, of Arkansas and of OU and is trying to identify the running weakness 
weaknesses for Texas. Now, some things will look different. Again, on Saturday, they've got a big little Al Collins inserted in the starting lineup. Jet Bush is uh, backing him up in this game. So that could be he's Al, Alfred Collins has been one of the bright spots of the year. And I could think he'll continue to be over the next several, uh, several years, probably the next two years. Uh, Alfred Collins will likely be a bright spot on that defense. And I think he's a guy that'll have a lot to say about the, how this thing turns out on Saturday is that if, if he can, to help shore up some of the cutback deficiencies, because if you watch the tape against OU, Keandre Coburn spent most of his day in the backfield. Mm. Like he 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 owned that center. It yeah. was the, it was the guys on either side right. of him that really struggled. And so I think the insertion of Alfred Collins over Jet Bush may have a lot to say about that. I, I thought the same thing. I was surprised in my rewatch to find that I when I first watched it in the stadium, I thought. Coburn was I saw Sweat get in the backfield once or twice and and I thought man he's our better interior lineman when I rewatched it I just noticed Coburn whipping that center being in the backfield and and OU basically again pulling away and running away from that and and no one else being able to do anything I thought Ojimo was okay but other than that yeah I, I thought that there was there was a lot of um a lot to be desired on the entire defense obviously but especially up front um Brockermeyer and Overshone especially Overshone showed out to make some plays in the first half really uh, kind of sparked, but they had a tough, tough assignment being the linebackers having to do run fits against those, those pulling linemen and misdirection. And, and again, just being worn down and, and having, you know, linemen tight end, double teaming, chipping on you. Um, it was just, it was, it was a tough ask of them. So can the Texas defensive line, can those big bodies that you just mentioned up front sweat Collins, Coburn, Ojimo, whoever else is in there. I don't know if Broughton will get some some reps. Can they do enough to hold kind of the offensive line in check, let the linebackers get off free, make some plays themselves, turn some things back in, basically not create gaping holes that, that I mean, kudos to a great running back performance. He did what was needed, but uh, this looks like a Bill Biedenbaugh offensive line opening up holes for Kennedy Brooks. And that, that, I mean, it wasn't anything necessarily the running back was, was good, but wasn't like we just got beat by a running back who just beat us. It looked like we got schemed and got blocked out of position and, you know, just ran through as a good athlete does open lane. So if you give up those exact lanes, I'm not saying Jalen Warren is that good, but He's a D one college football player who is of of you know of of decent He's a starter at a at a Big Twelve. There you go. School. Correct. So you know they have to fix that, and it has to come correct. It has to be scheme. It has to be a want to. Um, it, you know, it has to be a protecting your house on the home field. It, it, it all those things that mentality that toughness. Um, but but again, I think they will have a little bit easier time, both from the line and the running back. But it is going to be, I think, an, an, an effort fit. With Jacoby Jones out, um, it will be an effort look uh, of, of what that defensive line does. And I think a lot of it is going to be effort and mentality from Texas. Like That is the thing that I'm really curious to see from this defense. Because OU came out and just flat whipped them. And being able to come out and, and Mike Roach talked about it in one of his uh, one of his updates this week. It was literally the Wednesday afternoon update. Can this team come out and play? And if your kids listen in the car, I'm, can they come out and play pissed off? Like, can they come out and say, you know what? We got pants on national TV with everyone watching and everybody's talking about it. Can we come out and prove that we are not soft? Can we come out and prove that we are a team to be reckoned with? And I want to see a team that the run it back calls that we've been seeing from players and coaches this week is not just lip service, but they know that they let that slip away and they know that they could have beaten OU and they know that they could have been the driver's seat for the conference championship. And so that's what I want to see from this defense. You got punched in the mouth last week. You got embarrassed. Can you come back and show that you've got some pride, that you got some metal, that you got a little, a little, um, my dad used to say, you got a little lead in your butt. Are you going to, you going to let them push you around? Are you going to put your feet in the floor? Right? Like that's what I want to see from this defense. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a great point, right? If, if run it back, if, if the goal is still to get to the big 12 championship game, this is week, week one, it is a zero, zero season started over the, the non-commerce didn't matter. The first few games don't matter. Start here. And, and go undefeated, win out, or, or you know, get darn close. Uh, it starts here, and, and you have to have that mindset. And I hate the 1-0 the and o mindset because it harkens back to a different era, but it's correct in a sense that 
start it over. This is the the game that matters. Uh, Ted Lasso tells you the the happiest animals are goldfish. Forget, but but also don't forget. You know, uh, forget that you made mistakes or you didn't do this or do that. Remember. Because that's what Gerald said. You have something to prove. A couple things to watch. Texas giving up, uh, I think, six yards per carry on first down. Something to watch in this game for sure. We talked about that line. Uh, the the third down percentage, uh, 38 of 86 for the OSU offense is is not great. It's okay, pretty pretty middle of the road. They are, however, 16 of 18 in the red zone with 13 touchdowns. So pretty solid when they get down there again a, a bullying running back has six of those um they do average more penalties than texas seven penalties in 63 yards the refs didn't throw flags uh in in the the red river shootout except you know i think each offensive line tackled a guy once and they threw a flag once um but uh, and, that, and that's okay if you're gonna let them play let them play but um so you know the that we'll see if that you know big 12 refs are always an interesting thing can never plan how they're going to come but they will they will always insert themselves into the narrative and they're in the, in their sense like the internet meme they are the main character um <laughs> but they want to be <laughs> but it, it, absolutely Gerald, you're absolutely right the last piece is the the oklahoma state offense has nine fumbles on the year you talked about rattlers interceptions they have nine fumbles and only lost two I feel like that is not always sustainable. If that ball's on the ground, Texas has to be bear crawling, hustling, diving to get over there to to get some takeaways um, and and get their offense back on the field. Because again, as we said, if Texas gets it to a multi-score lead, this is not a game that Oklahoma State is built for. So takeaways, short fields, special teams, field position are the ways that you ensure that score quickly uh, and 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 take that game plan away. Yeah, and fumbles and and fumbles lost are are more of a luck metric when you look at it and I think interceptions are more of a scheme and skill metric and so eventually theoretically fingers crossed those fumbles do start to roll the other way but again I watched the I rewatched the Baylor game and Spencer Sanders is a guy who kind of just throws up like I, I'm not going to say what we used to call it but he, he the 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 screw it balls where he's like there's somebody in my face I think my receiver is over there I'm just going to chunk it up and so if you put pressure in his face he doesn't necessarily know what to do with it now he is a guy who can make plays plays with his feet he hasn't been as uh, as ready to do that as of late, that hasn't really been his MO. And I don't know if that's a function of the offense they're calling or the coaching or what it is, but like when he was a freshman and, and really even last year, some, he was very willing to take off and run. And he was always kind of a hair's breath or a hand's breadth away from cracking one off. And so that's again, something that you have to be cognizant of, but Kyle, I think it's, I think it's that time. Podstradamus predictions, Kyle. So just to catch people up, we are somewhere in the range of you have nine and I have either five or seven, depending on if we're giving me extras for the last two weeks or if we're not counting them. It's fine. It's good. I'm just saying, I said a wide receiver would go for 100 and they had two. It's okay. I said two players would go for 100 and one of them went for 200. I'll give you one of the two. We could Let's make it six. What the difference? Nine to six. That feels good to me. That that still feels like a, a closable gap. Or nine five feels, feels bad. Nine six feels like it's a gap that I can absolutely close but Kyle what's your first Potsdamas pick let's hear it all right so I think I think Casey Thompson is is gonna have a, a good one I think the Texas passing game is going to continue to take shots in this one um, and while Casey had a, obviously a, a big game against OU he's had a couple big games so far this year I think that you will see the trend continue the offense be on the upswing and we had 388 passing yards 388 passing yards against Oklahoma I think well that is not going to necessarily be top I do think that Texas against a good Oklahoma State defense with a good linebacking unit that you know played us well last year I do think that he will have a, a Texas will throw for 300 yards in this one against Oklahoma State I like it I like it I think that's uh that's fair and I think that's something that I would Again, if Texas hits 300 yards through the air, then they probably should win this game. So, Bijan Robinson currently sits at eight rushing touchdowns on the year. Kyle, do you know the last Texas running back to rush for 10 rushing touchdowns was? Was it Foreman? Deontay Foreman in 2016. There have mm. there have been wow. four seasons since the Texas running back has hit 10. Deontay Foreman had 15 in 2016. And I think Bijan gets there this week. I think Bijan Robinson is going to have two 
rushing touchdowns against this Oklahoma State run defense. I think he's got it in him. I think he wants to do it. And I think um, if he does, people will probably rightfully put him back in the conversation for the Heisman as they continue to talk about him as being one of the best, not one of the best, the running, the best running back in the country. So Kyle, what is your second Podstradamus prediction? So I like what we're doing. DT's going to get a lot of passing yards and let Bijan run it in from from close to bolster those Heisman stats. Again, Wiley vultured uh, a touchdown from him last week. So, um, you know, Gerald, I don't know if if last year – let's start with the good on it. Last year, if you recall, Texas held Spencer Sanders to only 11 yards rushing on 16 attempts. Texas allowed Spencer Sanders to pass for 400 yards. Um, Yeah. uh, Sanders has never gone over 350 in his career, um, but he did get 400 against Texas. Uh, If if you remember his his first year – that he he was the quarterback. He had you know a hundred uh, hundred yard rushing, two hundred and fifty plus. I mean two hundred sixty eight, uh, which was his. He had his high in passing against Texas his freshman year. Is another way to say it, as well as his high in rushing. He broke a hundred yards only one other time rushing in that first season. So when when Texas fans think of Spencer Sanders and Oklahoma State fans think of Spencer Sanders, we think a little bit differently. But he has scared us. That's what I'm going to say. So all that rambling is to say that I believe Spencer Sanders himself will be held under 350 total yards passing and rushing. I like it. I like it. Again, if that happens, Texas is in a good spot. So similarly to yours, it's weird that we're actually kind of swimming in similar water. So um, I think Spencer Sanders is not that good of a quarterback, and I could come back and really, really uh, be eating my words. But he threw three interceptions against Baylor. And I think Texas has a couple of turnovers in him. So I think Texas is going to turn over the Oklahoma State Cowboys at least twice on Saturday. I like Texas's defense being a playmaking defense. We saw it against OU. If you can't stop them, just take the ball away again. If Jamison does it for real, we probably win that game. But that's not neither here nor there. Take two away. I like it, Gerald. So to recap, Casey Thompson goes, or I guess Texas passing, but presumably Casey Thompson goes for more than 300. I left it open in case there's some some trickeration, hateration in this dancery. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready for... I'm ready for that that uh, Roshan uh, Wildcat pass as well to, to pay a little respect for the man not getting a carry against OU. So a little classic over, <laughs> 300 passing for Texas and under 350 for Spencer Sanders. I think that might be a little bit of a layup, but that's fine. I took a couple layups today too. Tara Bijan Robinson goes for two rushing touchdowns and Texas takes the ball away twice. So barring Kyle getting gifted some tickets for the game, we will be back this week with a post-game live stream. We'd love to have you as a part of it. You can catch it on our Facebook page, The Longhorn Republic. We'd love to have you there as we hopefully celebrate another Texas win. All right, Gerald, let's take it around the league. We'll do a quick Big 12 and then a quick uh, interesting games that have a Texas flair here. Uh, Baylor, the aforementioned, uh, it did whoop up on West Virginia, 45-20. to 20. This was – I don't know if Baylor's good again. My wife is a Baylor grad. I'm a little bit – worried that that this one was I thought it would be closer I'll just say it that way West Virginia inexplicably falls to two and four in the season oh and three in the big 12 didn't necessarily see that coming even though their offense isn't great Tyquan Thornton for Baylor at eight catches for 187 yards two touchdowns is Baylor good Gerald the more and more I see it, I, I said last week that I thought West Virginia was the best like two and three team in the country, and maybe I was wrong. Maybe maybe West Virginia is just bad, and they were up for the OU game. I don't know, but like Bohannon, I think Bohannon is legitimately good. I think that quarterback. I've said it before, and I've said it again. I think Bohannon scares me, and I think next week him playing in front of the Baylor line next week uh, is something that I'm terrified of. I don't know what this league. I think I think. I'm just gonna be. I'm just gonna say it. I think the league this year is just a little bit, a little bit down from where it usually is, and I think the middle is just feasting on each other. Is what it's gonna turn out to be. Yeah, I think I think you're right. No one's good. Who was not good on defense yet again was Texas Tech, uh, giving up 52 points to TCU. An angry, 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 angrier Gary Patterson. Uh, after losing two rivalry games, they won 52 to 31. Uh, Gerald, this felt like. Just a just a throwback old school performance on TCU's side after lamenting the amount of carries that Bijan got. Uh, TCU that threw the ball 
10 times against Texas Tech. <laughs> Rushed for 394 yards, but Zach Evans only got 17 of those carries. I guess he is really expecting all four years of Zach Evans. I don't know why you would expect all four years of Zach <laughs> Evans because I that that's an NFL running back. I think he's got after next year. Him and Bijan both will probably be two of, if not the top two backs in that draft class. Maybe your tweet pissed Gary Patterson off. I mean, I don't know if you could actually make that man any angrier. He's like a tiny little angry, sweaty weirdo. But like, I don't like it. It's it's um. They, they rolled over him, and, and I feel bad for Tech. I think Tech has just had a weird string of luck this year. I feel bad for those guys. Like, we've got friends over there. I feel bad for them. I haven't checked Gerald uh, after tweeting at Gary Patterson if he's blocked me, but, oh, he hasn't blocked me. I'll have to tweet at him more. Um, after <laughs> tweeting the statistics when he said he would never rest someone 35 times and then the amount of, like, 17 times in his career uh, at TCU that he's run people over, like, 30 a game so uh all fair i guess 34 was the max um all right gerald this was a weird one alabama lost to an unranked foe on a last second field goal 41 to 38 snapping nick saban's week uh, streak of 100 consecutive wins over unranked opponents dating back to his first season in alabama you hate to see alabama lose to a minnow like this it just doesn't really fit the narrative of who alabama is when this like nobody unranked team you know a a not even you know the flagship school their state's their state name something after it or a direction or whatever you know a team like that it's like when Saban lost to UL Monroe his first year so these things happen you know when they play a, a, a weird maroon team who again is not the biggest team in their state sometimes maybe Saban overlooks them it's been a few years since he's done it um, you really saw it with the the red zone offense of Alabama with Bill O'Brien calling it um, they were inside the, uh, the the 20 like six times and came away with 23 points or something like that. Um, that's really where they lost it. So Bill O'Brien, just the the inability at Alabama's offensive line looking fragile for the first time. It's almost like they're missing their offensive line coach and offensive coordinator. Uh, and that's why they were able to lose to some unranked nobody. Moving on. Mac Brown uh, fell to one win Florida State, 35-25 at home. Gerald, should we be worried about Mac? I think Mac has a bit of a Florida State problem. I also think North Carolina lost a lot, a lot, a lot of talent. Like, when you lose two, not one, but two running backs to the NFL draft, things are probably going to get weird. They lost some linemen as well. Like, I I just, I think the, this is why I hate preseason rankings, because mm-hmm. I think there was a lot of, a lot of unnecessary and probably inaccurate expectations put on a team that lost that much talent in the NFL. Yeah, two running backs uh, left to go to the NFL. That's a tough one, both drafted uh, and playing on Sunday. So, and I think the best receiver, too. And just, yeah, it's it's hard. But yep. ew, two and three in the ACC, and they still have uh, Miami, Notre Dame, an undefeated Wake Forest. Pitt, you, ne- you never want to play Pitt. One of the best passing offenses in the country, Pitt, very weird. And a ranked North Carolina State in that weird rivalry game uh, remaining not great for Mac. And, and in coaches that formerly coached at Texas. USC falls to Utah, 42-26. to 26, uh, Falls to 3-3 three and three on the year against old coach. He practiced against him, Todd Orlando. Cam Rising, another Longhorn name, went 22 for 28, 306 yards, three touchdowns, rushed for another touchdown. Keontae Ingram did okay. 74 yards, currently sitting 61st in the nation and rushing. And our old friend, Xavier Alford, uh, three tackles. A lot of names there. Epps had a catch. Uh... Do you, do you follow USC games for the nostalgia? I I haven't, but uh, if you didn't, if you saw the pictures of Cam Rising taking it all in on the field after the game, that was a special moment, and I think it's cool, especially with all the things that deal with this week and and having another player pass away on that team. Like that's just like the all the stuff that that those that team has been through this year. Uh, they deserved a, a happy story, and, and beating USC in that way was was huge for them. I love that. Um, that's. You may feel better about that. So just want to call this out, Gerald, since losing to Texas, Rice is on a two-game win streak, but they do have to play the pride of San Antonio UTSA. Meet, uh, meet, baby. <laughs> uh, other big games this week, and I'll just run through these fast. Georgia versus Kentucky, number 10 versus number one, to determine the only undefeated team in the SEC. Who would have picked those two? Number three, Cincy host UCF in the playoff committee. Won't watch, but hopes that everybody loses bowl. Uh, Auburn visits Arkansas, whose fans are going to be mad and ornery after losing two on the row in their first big home game since Texas. Um, Aggies have to go to Mizzou at 11 a.m., 
the, the potential for a letdown game there. Gosh, I hope that that happens. Uh, BYU travels to Baylor in, in uh, the the religious bowl of the week. Uh, politically, not uh, you know too too different, but the the religions will be uh, at clash and uh, angry people. Speaking of, Saban goes to Starkville. Gary Patterson shows up in Norman. There's going to be knife fights all over. It could get ugly. Should be a good week of college football. And Gerald, I'm just going to close it. We had a, a good performance from Quandre Diggs, picked off his old teammate Matt Stafford in the end zone, but our Longhorn of the NFL of the week texted good friend of the show, Isaac Pearson, to see how crazy this was. Michael Dixon punted not once, but twice on the same play. Had a good day overall. He's a great punter, obviously. Got a punt blocked, picked it up, ran a few yards, saw an opening, and drilled a punt from basically at the line of scrimmage, so add 10-plus yards to this punt, 68 yards on the second punt. I've never seen anything like this. Aussies on Twitter are claiming that, oh, we do this all the time. And Pearson did confirm that's a drill you do 10 times a day, the quick pickup and quick kick. Uh, but none of them have ever had to do it in uh, a real live game, especially at the NFL level. And everyone in Australia thinks they could be an NFL punter, apparently. Um, and only a few get through pro kick Australia. Uh Play, it was it was like a play it was like the play of the Sunday like it was nuts to see it I don't know if I've ever seen a double double kick but I mean he's he's he was the Texas Bowl MVP for a reason ah the best kicker the best punter we are special teams you Gerald Godzilla Tron what are you watching on your giant screen did a lot of TV streaming this last week we watched the Ted Lasso finale put a nice little bow on the season uh, really interesting things to say about masculinity and kind of how you can express uh, man manliness in different ways in that season I think it was a lot of what that journey was there and I really appreciated some of the things they had to say my wife and I are still watching reservation dogs which is absolutely hilarious um, it's not again not a family show it's if you're offended by teenagers in getting into mischief and saying you know dirty words you probably won't enjoy it but i thought it was quite funny um star trek lower decks kind of a, a satire of all things star trek is back and it's also really funny and then my wife and i started the new wonder years which uh if you haven't seen it they're they're doing it's not necessarily like it's it's a air quotes reboot but when it's a just story about somebody growing up in an era like you can't really reboot it you just go to a different town and so it's about a um it's about a black family in in the south during the civil rights movement the civil rights era and Dulé hill plays the like the father figure is really pivotal in the wonder years if you think back to like the the other wonder years the original wonder years are kind of the dad role Dulé hill plays that um and it's just it's it's a really interesting look at a like healthy marriage and a healthy family and a family that really you know they're not perfect but they're trying and there's com there's you know some uncomfortable conversations in there that happen and it's i'll be honest with you i think the first like if you watch it and you don't like the first episode the the reason they were kind of treading water to let some things historically happen and catch up with their timeline and then by episode three it really uh my wife and i were laughing out loud at some of the things that were happening um and it's just it's both funny and poignant and it's uh, they're they're in they're trying to say important things and I think but they're not beating you over the head with it and so it was just it's good watch and if you put Dulé Hill in anything I'll yeah. probably sit down and give it a chance so uh, Wonder Years highly recommend it. Oh, I love that man. I might have to check. Is the is the theme song still the have a little or a little help from your friends? It is not. It is a different theme song. That was my I was disappointed initially, but the, but the new theme fits for what they're trying to do. Okay, I was hoping maybe they would get an updated artist to do it or something. But okay, all right, I'll, I'll have to check it out. We'll obviously be checking out Ted Lasso. I added Reservation Dogs because of you to the queue. We're gonna get to it, but it's only due to your glowing recommendation, Gerald. I watched along with millions, billions, trillions. Netflix doesn't always release their numbers. Uh, people globally around the world watch the hottest new Netflix property coming straight out of South Korea, Squid Game. Gerald, are you familiar with Squid Game? I've, I, I've heard of it. Okay. All right. I, I know it, all right. but I haven't watched it yet. All right, let me break it down. So watch this one quick. Took it all in a week. Squid Game is violent. It is a... I don't do horror... But it is truly a horror, but it's a human horror. It doesn't get into the demonic monsters and, and uh, things that usually turn me off to the horror genre. But it is truly uh, a horror in, in every sense. It is, it is dark, it is violent, it is graphic. Um, but like a lot of the best properties that have come out of South Korea in, in recent years, you know, Snowpiercer or, or um, Parasite or anything that deals with class issues, they're really tackling the, the fact right now Korea, I think, leading the world or close to it in, in like debt they're consuming. I think uh, just just 
exponentially more even than the United States and, and people going into debt, basically trying to live a life, project a life, and, and the way it's wrecking people. And, and this show is a Hunger Games meets Most Dangerous Game um, meets, uh, okay. what is it, David Fincher's The Game. Um, they, okay. they, they basically, for these poor people who are in debt, who have had life and a lot of them are kind of street level poor. Some are, you know, you'll occasionally get the like investment banker gone bad poor, but people in debt who are vulnerable and they offer them this chance um, to play children's games. Um, and if they win all six of these games, they will win all this money. Um, I won't get into the details of anything else of it, because if you want to watch it, I want to keep all the mystery there for you. Um, but it is a wild ride, beautifully shot. Cinematography is amazing. Um, it's not a perfect show. There's some things, you know, maybe culturally, if you watch it as a Korean person, you understand. And maybe I just didn't get 100%. Some of the little slight loose ends or some things are occasionally too convenient uh, in the resolution, but all in all, like a solid nine, just a, a great show riveting end-to-end -end stuff again i'm not a big horror guy i don't watch gore both of those things can be prevalent in this one at times but it, it doesn't feel obsessed with it although it is a lot um really 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 good the memes are obviously all over the internet and very prevalent um again just like the color scheme and 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 the way they shoot it really beautiful the the it just looks nice looks very great um I would recommend it very strongly. Again, probably a thing you want to keep away from the kids just because it is it is a it is a violent show. Um, but my wife liked it probably even more than me, and she's you know anti horror, especially anti gore. Um, so this was this was something I didn't know if she would like. And after the first episode, it's like I can gut through it, and and she ended up just really loving it. Um, so yeah, so I, I think a really interesting show, a different show. It is different than anything I've ever seen. Um, South Korea is just crushing it right now, creating content, um, whether it's in film, music, or or now TV. Um, so if you can get over as as uh, the famous uh, Korean director of Parasite said, if you can get over the the giant one inch hurdle of subtitles you'll be exposed to you know an entire uh world of, of great content so it is it is in korean don't do dubs do subtitles just get over it watch it it's amazing <laughs> i i'm a big believer in in foreign cinema one of one of my favorite movies of all time the raid is the best action movie i've ever seen i've never watched it without subtitles it's great uh i'm gonna have to check it out it's one of my wife has given me permission to watch it without her <laughs> which is a green light in my book and she had to make sure, uh, sure. I, I got that green light before i watched it so now we're good to go but that's all we've got for you this week kyle where can good folks find you on the internet uh, you can find me deep in old boy Reddit and other uh, South Korean cinema uh, internet now. I, you can find me on Twitter, at Kyle Carpenter. You can also follow the Texas Pre-Gamer at Texas Pre-Gamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at G.H. Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. Check us out on Facebook on Saturday, for our post-game live stream. And you can always shoot us an email, longhornrepublicpod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this weekend. Until next time. Hook up. Oh, you sucks, but OSU also sucks. <laughs>